Welcome back to the final part of this week's Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. In a few minutes' time, John Fardy will be in with Screen Time. John, what yes. the show? <laughs> Mad stuff. Go on. We're going live to Cannes with Jessica Kiang, who's writing for Variety, who has seen the new Martin Scorsese movie mm. and lots of other things as well. Cannes is actually a serious deal. People think it's just arty farty people, but it kind of controls the future of the cinema for the next year. So very excited about that. Uh, Martin Maloney, who a.k.a. Eddie Durkin from the Hardy Books, chats to me from Sweden about his favourite movie. Very international Very show. international. Our very own Sue Murphy chats about The Little Mermaid, the brand new... Apparently it's very good. It's very... <laughs> Tune in at six. Spoiler alert, lads. It's great. Uh, okay, very international show. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you briefly because uh, this coming week, both Succession and Ted Lasso are yeah. coming to an end. I have decided I'll be in a period of mourning for eight to ten business days thereafter. Yeah, yeah. We have kind of been spoilt over the last, however, like 12 weeks, say, with really good TV. And it shows to me, the impatient millennial, that there is still a space and a demand for on-demand TV. Absolutely. Now, but Succession, when you say on-demand, right, this is dropping every week, Succession. Sorry, what I mean is uh, sort of so live TV, but on-demand in yes. that I'm waiting each week to watch it. Now, I'll still watch it whenever I want to watch yeah. it. Normally, what we've been doing is watching it on a Monday night because yeah. that just works for us at home. But Let's not overshare, but... But uh, I'm still, like, I need to see the next episode. Yeah. I love that, the way in the age of streaming they have still created with shows like Succession a Moorish quality that you cannot wait till Monday evening or Sunday night, whenever it lands. Mm. And so this this thing about, you know, streaming, killing TV, nothing could be further from the truth because there is still appointment TV and streamers can do it. Like Netflix used to drop Breaking Bad, the final season, in the same way and people were literally rushing home. Yeah. Netflix recently did, I'm not sure how successful it was, but they did Chris Rock's Played a special as a live event. It probably made yeah. more sense if you're in America because it's four in the morning over here. It was a very good one. But so, like, appointment TV is far from dead. It's changed slightly, but it, it, it's still working to a fashion, you know? So this is all happening while, as we mentioned earlier in the show, Netflix has rolled out the crackdown on password yes. sharing here in Ireland. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I just thought it's a no-brainer. That they, it always occurred to me for years. And listen, I'm no embedded journalist. I do business with Netflix, but they don't pay me anything. Mm. But they have been losing money, clearly. And it, when in a world where passwords are so protected and you can't get into other people's accounts and other things, it made no sense to me why Netflix, from a business point of view, hadn't cracked down. And, and look, you know, I, I'm, I pay for my Netflix. I don't get it for free. I think it's very good value, I have to say. So it entertains my family on a weekly basis and me as well outside of the work I do. So it makes it makes sense. Yeah, I think it makes sense in that scenario because you've got 75 children, you've got a wife and you've got yourself. But you know, I have three children, but anyway. <laughs> Fact checking is boring. But you know, in the instance of students or, uh, you know, if you've got siblings, you know, if you're like a young adult and you're looking to split the bill with your sister who lives down the road or, you know, I think in those instances, it's a bit much pain. If you're paying for the premium, plan which is 21 quid a month and then you have to pay an extra 4.99 
Are you saying, is this a case of middle-aged man bemoaning not people not paying for travel? Yeah, look, I hear what you're saying, I suppose. I guess I've never really thought about that way because I, I actually think it's, it's pretty good value for what you get. But but I hear what you're saying. It also doesn't help that there are a lot of streamers. And totally. if you want to pay for everything, you could be up to 100 quid a month, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, I'd love to know what you think. Uh, you can email techtalk at newstalk.com. John, uh, you can hear more of John if you want. Like, <laughs> I don't know why you would. But if you want, uh, you can tune in after six. Thanks, Mel John. Thank you. Now, a few weeks back, I spoke to Lizzie Beecham of the African Professional Network Ireland about its Lion's Den startup competition. Lizzie guided us through some of the finalists, and I'm delighted to say that the winning company joins me now. Uh, Preamble came out on top. Goodman Lapoto, welcome to the show and congratulations. Can you start by introducing us to your business? Yeah, uh, thanks so much. I uh, really, really appreciate this opportunity to be taking this interview. Um, essentially, uh, preamble, uh, name preamble, um, is what I would like to call an introduction to Africa using data. We are a data um, uh, company and we provide data and we analyze data about the African continent. And we also do special data projects. For example, um, in February of 2023, this year, we covered the Nigerian election by giving people a website that did live election results. So, and we are uh, available across all different media platforms, such as Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, Substack, LinkedIn. Um, and we essentially uh, uh, show people uh, data on the continent yeah, and analyze that data. And this might be a stupid question, but who is this data for? Is it for the average user just to get better informed? Is it for journalists? Is it for NGOs? Who is the target? Yeah, a really, really good question. So we are currently seeing the business in two ways. One is an enterprise and one is consumer. So most of the data that's been used currently is more consumer facing. So we would uh, take on a project to ask a question in the continent that's not been necessarily asked and dive deep into it using data. For example, there's a question we asked. Uh, we wanted to find out uh, what companies uh, in the continent are worth one billion US dollars, meaning our unicorns, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that project would be uh, a project that had not been done before. And we went on to use data to pull up, I think, around 32 founders um, from the continent that have built companies that are worth one billion US dollars. Uh, and when we released the report, the report was used by different media houses such as TechCrunch, it was on Yahoo, um, Tech Cabal. Um, and yeah, so that would have been used by either, you know, the news media, uh, sometimes it could be used by governments. Um, and uh, yeah, we take on really like <laughs> the most complex and the easiest of, of topics and we visualize them to explain to people um, what is happening in the content, but specifically using data. Mm-hmm. Mm. And how much work goes into collating the data? Because, you know, if you want to do a survey of 100 people on Grafton Street, that's very easy. You walk down Grafton Street and you have your data. But for something like this, uh, how do you go about it? And and how big are the data sets to ensure that the the stats and the information, the insights you're producing are statistically relevant and correct? Yeah, this is a really good question. So I said a preamble actually in... um, sometime in April, May last year. So it's been one year. Um, And uh, uh, essentially, I use publicly available data, the publicly available information. It is just um, the questions that we have 
that kind of inform us to answer that question using data. Like for example, the one I mentioned about, you know, how many companies, um, uh, you know, are worth $1 billion or another question could be, uh, for example, uh, how many heads of states have resigned before, you know, their term limit ended. Um, and then we would go on to find, so all the data that we produce uh, or we visualize is publicly information, uh, publicly available information and data. The only difference that we have is the, the innovative way in which we present the information. Mm. Um, and um, at, at this point, uh, yeah, a lot of people in, like really like how the preamble is designed or how the information is portrayed. But all of our data is publicly available. In the future, we do look into obviously using like primary data where potentially we'll do surveys. Uh, as a company grows, or we would go on to to find more uh, more information. But we do make sure that in the data that we use, that we vet the data. So in this instance, um, if, for example, 10 publications reported it, and those publications are, rep are reputable, or even research companies will then verify that, okay, this is data that we can visualize and use, but all of the data is publicly available. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The, the point around visualization is really important because we know that there is oodles of data about every given subject under the sun, but if people can't comprehend it or ingest it or digest it, then it's just a load of words and numbers. So how do you go about visualizing the data in a way that is approachable to those two different sides of the business that you mentioned? Yeah, so we have a problem statement that we also defined at the, the at this competition at the Lions Den. We say that if it is an expensive, uh, it's high bro, and if it's not high bro, it's uh, it's unreliable. So mm. we find that the problem with a lot of data that's visualized that's uh, publicly available, um, that most of it actually is talking to people, maybe a PhD talking to another PhD or an economist speaking to another economist. And we don't think that that all the data should be like that, or, you know, about mm -hmm. the continent. So we try simplify it. And our principle is very, very uh, uh, simple, is give a really sh short headline describing, you know, what, the, what you're trying to highlight and then visualize it in the most, you know, visually compelling way that anybody, even if they were in, you know, their primary school, I could get it, but do it in a way that, you know, you're respecting the person and you're not looking down upon them. Um, mm. And then that they're looking at the data and thinking, oh, I can actually get this. Uh, that's why we believe our, our data has been really, really effective and that it's very simplified, but it's high quality and it's well designed. Um, but yeah, we try our best um, that when we, uh, you know, design a visual, we ask ourselves, like, will this be something that somebody in high school or primary school um, and even somebody with a PhD and an who is an economist still understand that, you know, they could be in one room and then look at the visual and have a consensus about what the visual means. And mm -hmm. if the answer is yes, that's, you know, what we would call a preamble visual. Um, and we try our best to move away from visuals that are highly complex, although need like a data scientist, um, you know, um, uh, background to to understand or analyze. So we try and simplify our data without losing the quality and the information. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. Um, I mentioned about the Lions Den competition. How important was it to never mind win the whole thing, but even to get on the shortlist? Because the caliber of entries, as we heard a few weeks ago, was incredible. Yeah, I... <laughs> I really, um, really uh, am very grateful uh, for this opportunity, and I'm grateful for the team at uh, the a uh, APNI to be, uh, you know, um, 
preparing the lines then. Um, for me, it was more around the validation of what we're trying to solve for. And yeah. what we're trying to solve for is the issue around data. Um, so when we were shortlisted, I was, um, to be fair, happy because this is something that started very, very small as a small Instagram page last year for a couple of friends. And it went on to morph into what it is today. We have more than 20,000 followers on Instagram. We just launched our YouTube page. Um, and we, you know, we did a live election um, for an entire country, Nigeria, in, 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 in February. And it started very, very small. And for winning the competition and being, being shortlisted was kind of a validation from, um, uh, from people in the business world to say, look, what you are building is something that we think um, is necessary and it's something that we think we can support. But even more, I think the thing that meant a lot uh, to me was seeing other people that I'd not known or I'd not met and um, them describing what preamble meant to them and that preamble existed. Um, that is, you know, Africans in the diaspora. This could have been, you know, um, you know, Europeans who didn't really know much about the African continent and they were learning about the continent through the data. Um, so, uh, and then what, you know, preamble meant to them uh, for me was uh, was was something that I took away from from the entire experience. Um, yeah, it, no, it's 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 an amazing achievement, and I, I we spoke about it on the show a few weeks ago that that networking and that peer to peer validation is so important. Um, had you ever entered any other startup competitions or pitching competitions or anything like that before? Actually, yes, I have, but not in Dublin. I went to college in the U.S. Um, and uh, I studied business day and uh, I had um, entered, I would say, around two competitions, two to three. Mm -hmm. um, the last one was called the New York Business Plan Competition. But the difference with those competitions and the lines then was there were more ideation. Um, you know, when you are you know, have an idea and you you pitch it to the judge and say, this is an idea I have. I think preamble would have been the first idea uh, outside the context of work. We, mm. you know, a prototype went on to be tested. Uh, we saw, you know, customers, people subscribing. And, you know, um, so this was, it, this meant, uh, this meant a lot that uh, uh, it was an island where I live and, you know, uh, and it was, uh, it, it was around the continent, the African continent. So it really, really meant a lot. The competition was really special, yeah. Well, look, we are delighted for you. It is great to hear the work that you're doing and we will absolutely keep an eye out uh, as you continue to grow. Huge congratulations and best of luck with the future. Thank you so much, Jess. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity to do this. And that's it from me this week. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back in full on the News Talk app powered by GoLoud. I'll be back with Shane and Kira on Monday's News Talk Breakfast. But in the meantime, have a great weekend.